Welcome to The Fix, the podcast made for the trades, where we sit down with inspiring individuals across the trades to discuss their unique take on the industry, including career paths, job site stories, overcoming challenges, and everything in between. I'm your host, Catherine, a marketer here at Odie, with my co-host and friend, Doug, one of Odie's resident experts in all things trades. The Fix is more than a podcast. It's a community, a community built to support tradespeople and inspire the next generation of essential pros. Let's start the conversation. Well, Doug, we have another spectacular guest today from our country up north doing some amazing things, but on a worldwide platform. You know, worldwide, but I didn't realize that Canada had a superhero. I know. Okay, today's guest is actually a superhero. I mean, she's a crusader of non-traditional trades. Yep. Okay, and she stamps out stigmas, so I love that. <laughs> well, welcome Jennifer Green, the Director of Competition Skills Ontario. Thank you so much for having me. You've got it. I really appreciate you taking some time to tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and a little bit about skills. And can you take us through your journey in skilled trades and how you became involved with Skilled Ontario? Of course. So I started in high school uh, and I was actually taking advanced courses and university courses to go into forensic criminology. That was my love at the time. Uh, but I was also a techie and a jock and a nerd, you name it. And I belong to all those traditional groups. Um, there's three generations of tradespeople before me, heavily in my family. But because I was a 4.0 GPA student and I did good in those courses mm -hmm. and I enjoyed them, it was never pitched to me as an opportunity to go into the skilled trades, even though I was taking tech. I was taking manufacturing course and I enjoyed it, but I used it as a bird course to get my grades up even higher for my university <laughs> application. In grade 11, an opportunity for cooperative education came aboard. And I was like, well, that, that sounds like fun. It sounds like a break from hard studies because I enjoy that. So I decided to go and do it. And I had no idea what I wanted to go and try co-op for. And I read through uh, my colleges, my local colleges course guidebook, Conestoga College. And I read through all the descriptions of trades. And I was like, that one sounds like me. Let's try that one. And it was on a whim. And I ended up loving it. Uh, and completely did a 360 in what my choice was in high school uh, and changed all of my courses for grade 12 and uh, applied for and was accepted into up here what's called the OYAP program, Ontario Youth Apprenticeship Program, meaning that you actually become a registered apprentice while still in high school and you mm -hmm. can earn hours towards your apprenticeship while also earning uh, your OSSD, your Ontario Secondary School Diploma up here. And I got my registration in grade 12, earning hours, immediately started my first year of apprenticeship after graduating, uh, and have my license by the age of 21 as a licensed Red Seal industrial mechanic millwright. Wow, that is quite spectacular. That really is. So can you talk to us then a little bit about how um, you become involved in the Skills Ontario? Yeah, so another unique story. So as a woman in one of the most male-dominated trades, uh, especially starting co-op at 16 and being registered at 17, I stuck out like a sore thumb, to say the least. <laughs> uh, and so as a woman in that trade, uh, Skills Ontario heard about me as a grade 12 student and actually invited me to one of their young women's networking dinners to come be the keynote. And I actually got started with the organization almost 20 years ago awesome. because of that option. Uh, I then volunteered with them uh, as many years as I could, year after year, between their summer camps and their young women's programs. 
And in my third year of apprenticeship, uh, my college, Conestoga, asked me to represent them in the Millwright competition at Provincials for post-secondary. Uh, I at first said, no, <laughs> said, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting myself out there. I'm already out there enough as it is. I already stick out like a sore thumb. And I said, like, what if I do poorly? I don't exactly want to put women in trades on the map even lower than what we might already be for stereotypes and stigmas. And I'm really glad that they saw something in me that I definitely didn't at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made them a deal and said, if, if you help build my confidence and and train and help train me further to feel like I could actually go and do this, then I'll do it. So they volunteered their time additional outside of hours to help train me. And they really did see something in me that I didn't because I ended up winning gold provincially in Ontario and awesome. I moved on to nationals and got silver. And I'm the second woman ever to compete at the Canadian national level. So my experience really came about. So I was not only a volunteer, I'm, I became an alumni and I continued to volunteer with them. And the uh, CEO at the time had approached me and said, hey, I've always wanted to start an alumni association and I want you to do it. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> uh, and this is not a lady you say no to. She, uh, she definitely <laughs> same thing. She saw something in me that I hadn't at the time. Uh, and ended up kickstarting the inaugural alumni association as president, which then led me into uh, spearheading an initiative at the national level for what's called NAC, the mm-hmm. National Alumni Committee, where I rallied and worked with each provincial and territorial office on coming up with an alumni and bringing together a committee of one person from every province and territory so that we could have a national alumni option to help spearhead and promote skilled trades and technologies. And then I became an employee. So yeah. <laughs> I had a really full circle opportunity yeah. where my passion in my role, I think, is definitely unique because I know exactly what this competition did for me mm-hmm. as a, a as an apprentice. I know what it did for my entire career. I know what it did for me as a woman, as an underrepresented group in skilled trades. So my passion is definitely very gallant to say the least um, because I know that every step that I take will do the same or hopefully similar for other students today. And I would imagine too, you know, for you, it gives you the opportunity to give back to maybe those that, you know, thinking about those that put their time and effort into you to help build your confidence, confidence that when you see other women or other people in the trade, so you're like, you can do this. I would imagine it definitely resonates with you. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've personally mentored over 50 people, both um, identifying as men and women, um, as a personal give back. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as my career grew as an industrial millwright, I also did all this volunteering and advocating and public speaking on the side, which basically grew these two careers at the same time. And I never said no. So I always <laughs> said yes to always give that message out. And I would say it's probably only really this year that I've actually had to finally start saying no to things. Sure. Just due to how busy. Uh, and no matter what, I always tried to cram it in. I would do podcasts at like nine and 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, if you can fit me in, I'm like, if that works for you, I'm like, I'll make it work. Yeah. And I've never said no in that option um, to make sure that that message can go out to continue to be an advocate. Um, there's another advocate up here, Jamie McMillan, the uh, founder of Kick-Ass Careers. She is fantastic. Highly recommend uh, you have her on your podcast as well. Uh, and her and I are in the same boat. We both started approximately 20 years ago, and we're both in 
I'll call it older school methods of how we advocated and how we got started comparatively to today. Can you give us then an overview of Skills Ontario and then more specifically about what's your role entail um, as the director of competitions? Mm-hmm. So Skills Ontario is a not-for-profit organization. We are part of a worldwide organization called World Skills that has over 80 member countries involved. Uh, so each of those countries has a national level. So in our case, it's Skills Canada, and then each province and territory has its own member organization, and we are Skills Ontario. Same with the states. Mm-hmm. There is a Skills USA. There's a Skills Ohio. There is a Skills uh, organization for each of the different states in the U.S. as well. Uh, in our organization, we are the leader in Ontario in promoting skilled trades and technologies to youth in the province and providing experiential hands-on activities to learn what those careers are. Uh, Ontario currently has 144 different registered skilled trades across the four sectors mm. and trying to promote what those are Uh can be difficult sometimes, especially when you don't realize what some of the trades actually are. Uh, Within the service sector, one of my most fun ones to promote is horse harness maker, uh, early childhood educator, are registered skilled trades in Ontario. Uh, There's, I think, six different kinds of crane operators within the construction industry. Uh, So there's all these unique opportunities to learn about and promote. We are most well known for the Skills Ontario competition, which I run, but we also have summer cramps, camps, We do DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Programming and Conferences. We have FNMI, which is First Nations, Matee, and Inuit Conferences and Programming. Women in Trades. We have our Trade and Tech truck, which travels the province of almost 500 uh, square feet of hands-on activities and state-of-the-art simulators uh, for students to be able to learn about skilled trades. Awesome. We have a podcast. Um, Our programming goes on. We offer quite a bit. (laughs) Uh, which leads me into my role of director of competitions uh, and more recently business development. Uh, And I run with my team, Canada's largest skilled trade event. The event is most well known in metaphorically like the Olympics. It is the best of the best. They are students and apprentices competing against one another of their top skill sets within their chosen skilled trade or technology to try to win gold, silver, and bronze. Mm. Some of these contests are also accompanied by prize packs from sponsors. They're accompanied by job offers from sponsors. It can go on their LinkedIn resume. They attribute a huge amount of soft skills that go into their career as well. We are a recognized organization in the level of commitment and training and skill set it takes to be able to compete in this contest. Awesome. Uh, that industry recognizes what that means. And when it's seen on a resume, they understand what that student or apprentice has gone through or been to be able to achieve that. Mm-hmm. And for select contests, they could move on and compete nationally against the other gold medal winners from the other member organizations of provinces and territories in Canada. Uh, and then every other year, so Olympics is every four years, World skills is every two years. So if you are in one of the contests that continue, you now have a chance to be part of Team Canada and go on and compete against the other gold medal winners from other countries across the globe for a chance to win gold, silver, and bronze. So that is... That is our biggest flagship event. And when I say large, I mean, the contest runs over two days. We're currently scheduled to be May 6th and 7th in 2024 in Toronto. Um, And over two days, we bring in almost 40,000 spectators in pre-COVID years. We run over 70 different skilled trades and tech contests, and we operate with almost 700 volunteers in 500,000 square feet. 
Wow, that's impressive. Can you imagine? No, I can't. I mean, I'm trying to figure out all this in my head. It's, yeah, how how big of a space that is. It's almost overwhelming. Yeah. It is, it is huge. It is what we call the wow factor that I can talk about it till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> I step bet. Step in that door and really see what it is like. If you are up in Toronto at the beginning of May, highly recommend. It's free and open to the public. Come and see what it's like, because at this competition, you can not only just view those 70 plus contests, we also have showcase booths from our sponsors, all with mandatory hands-on components. So Mm -hmm. as a spectator, you get to go to hundreds of booths and do hands-on activities. You get to watch the contest. We also do, in conjunction with the competition, elementary workshops for grades seven and eight. We do uh, Canada's largest Young Women in Trades conference. We do a First Nation Matee and Inuits conference. We did our first ever guidance educator conference as a new mandate from the government to have a half-day mandatory PA day for guidance educators Mm -hmm. on skilled trades. Uh, We host several different other things in conjunction with the competition that make it a very well-rounded, large opportunity to come and visit. I love it. Well, you know, Doug, I love to commit to stuff. um, Yeah, I see it coming. I know, right? You know exactly. (laughs) Um, We will be there uh, May 6th and 7th of 2024. I already have it written down. Um, And now, obviously, if there is opportunity for Odie to help support with some donation or sponsorship, um, I would love to continue to have that conversation. Yes, please. Let's connect. All right. That sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. Jennifer, I have a question. So could you explain to us, like, okay, so these events, these Olympics, basically, I understand all them. What about the age groups? You know, what age groups do you start with? You know, do you break them up into different age groups and then give them different opportunities? Could you explain that to us? Yes, sir. So we are all about grassroots and making sure to get that education out early and understanding of what's available. So at our provincial level, we actually offer competitions in age groups for grades four to six, other competitions in grades seven to eight. And then we have a very full range of competitions for secondary school of grades nine through 12 and post-secondary and apprenticeships. We are an organization dedicated to youth and youth here is classified as up to the age of 29. So our Mm post-secondary students can go up to the age of 29 and apprentices to compete in these competitions. So we also have programming. Uh, One of our largest programs that I forgot to mention earlier is that we do in-school presentations, both in-person and virtually. And we go um, as far down as kindergarten doing skilled trades presentations um, all the way up to grade 12. And we also offer them for newcomers and parents, uh, you name it, and we'll do, uh, we do in-school presentations for that. So really focusing on grassroots. And at that grade four to six level, there's everything from Lego robotics and Lego engineering to construction and workplace safety up to grade eight. Uh, we offer a total of, I think, 14 between the two different uh, age ranges within the elementary level. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely impressive. Yeah. And definitely, I love, you know, thinking about it on all the different age spectrums, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so important mm-hmm. um, for us to continue to talk when they're at the elementary school and all the way up. So I think it's excellent. Yeah. And, and it's very unique. I was going to say, like when I say we run over 70 contests, I mean, we do everything from plumbing, steam fitting and sprinkler fitting mm-hmm. to concrete, to butchery, culinary, hairstyling, fashion, we bring in power line technician and we actually drill holes into the boulevards and install power line poles. Uh, we do heavy service. We do auto service. We do construction and home build. We do aircraft maintenance. There's a very wide range of different trades that we offer contests yeah. for. I think, what did you say? 188? Is that how many trades? 
there's 144 registered trades okay. in the province of Ontario that they offer for registered apprenticeships, 144 currently. That's impressive. You know, I was born a few generations too early because we never had this kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, this is truly amazing for these young people to have this opportunity to experience this. Yeah. Absolutely. And to show that many of the different trades happening. And I love the fact that you have in even the competition that it's free to the public to be able to come in. And then you, everyone has to at their booth who's sponsoring has to have a hands-on because it's important for everyone to get their hands on it, no matter what their age. Plus I love mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, listen, a lot of people don't know what they want to be when they grow up. They get exposure to stuff, but the fact that you still stay with them and help them up to the age of 29 a lot of people figure out new careers, you know, mid twenties or even mid forties, they can figure things out. But I think it's great that you're yeah. continuing to um, give them an opportunity to come and learn and be a part of um, the, you know, be a part of the competition and also the opportunity to be a part to learn. Yeah. And to have mm-hmm. that, have that much opportunity under one roof. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like a trades buffet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm just going to sample a little bit of everything. Do I find something I yeah, like? For sure. Yeah, we are all about explorential. Um, and what makes the competition great and unique is that the colleges and union TDAs, training delivery agents and schools will also host sometimes their own internal regionals to determine who is going to go represent them for the spot they may have won to come to provincials. Um, so it provides additional layers outside of us as well. Well, as we, we host the provincial level and qualifying for a few secondary contests each of them will do their own regional. So it really expands beyond us on the opportunities that are being offered if those institutions are able to provide a regional level as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we you talked about it a little bit uh, in the beginning, um, you know, about being a woman in the trades and kind of being that uh, a little bit of the trailblazer that wasn't a lot of people that looked like you. You know what, the representation of women in the trades has been historically low. And so what are some of the efforts being made to encourage more women to pursue careers in the skilled trades? And how can we further promote gender diversity in the industry? Perfect timing on this question, because there was quite a very large announcement in Ontario last week, I think around the 13th of June. Uh, So our Ministry of Labor, Immigration and Skills Training Development, MLITSD, has worked very hard on the promotion of skilled trades as being viable careers. Uh, And I was actually the chair of an advisory committee working for the minister back in 2020 and 2021 um, on working with stakeholders and the public and coming up with a report and recommendations on what changes we needed to make in the province to be able to fulfill these goals. Mm. And that final report yielded uh, $90 million investment over three years. And a lot of those recommendations from our report um, and on my committee along with me was Adam Melnick and Adam, or sorry, and Andrew Pariser. And with those recommendations, quite a few of them have been put in place from the government. And just last week, um, they announced uh, we have a historically high uh, record number of uptick and apprentices. Uh, I believe the uptick was 24, 28% higher wow. in one year of registered apprentices. And of that, I believe 28% was women. Wow. wow. That's so awesome. A huge yeah. uptick in numbers uh, and on women in trades uh, as far as those uh, new registered apprentices. That is truly remarkable. And, you know, kudos to um, you guys and even all the work that's being done, because a lot of times it's hard to see all that work and then finally some success by it. But that's pretty, 
pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a very exciting uh, announcement last week. I was unfortunately camping with zero cell reception. Oh. I had no <laughs> idea it was even announced. And uh, all of a sudden got reception a week later on oh. my phone and all these messages. And, and, and I read it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is great. I'm like, this is great news. And I was like, I missed it last week. Oh, <laughs> well, it's good. You were taking time for yourself. And I'm sure, you know, as you got that, what what I can imagine, just a ding, 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 all of a sudden coming through as all this, yeah. you're getting into So service. the work of uh, our Ministry of uh, Labor and our Minister of Labor, as well as our new Crown Agency, Stowe, Skilled Trades Ontario, um, as being the regulatory body for uh, registered apprentices, a lot of work has gone into skilled trades and apprentices and um, recruitment and retention over the last couple mm -hmm. of years up here. Uh, and obviously that dedication has shown across all bodies and all members and organizations and companies involved who have helped push for this uh, and funding because the numbers speak for themselves. That's amazing. So how can we all, um, you know, brands included, manufacturers included, industry professionals, educators, and the government work together to ensure longevity and growth for skilled trades industry. I think, you you know, there's been some things that you guys have definitely done to make an impact, obviously, with those type of numbers. But what is it that we can do to ensure that there's this longevity happening for in the skilled trades? I think as employers, especially regionally, connect with your schools. Come in and be a speaker, volunteer in the class, come and do a special project. Um, if you're able to do donations like you noted, the classrooms only have so much budget, especially for skilled trades. And the budget for a skilled trade classroom is vastly different than obviously math and language and right. science. Um, so they need a lot more to be able to operate and provide those opportunities. So by being able to provide product, for example, will help offset the budget and still be able to provide other opportunities. Uh, you have the people with the expertise. Hence, Doug, uh, you said, yeah. uh, with his background. So being able to offer what you have on a volunteer basis. For example, if you don't already, maybe your company offers uh, two days a year in volunteer experience that they get off paid, that you go out and volunteer, whether it be with a school or at an event. If um, sponsorship opportunities are there, who is a local, uh, maybe not-for-profit that you could go and sponsor and help provide opportunities? Maybe you provide a workshop through them or for the example of us, um, we have a multitude of different sponsorship opportunities, many different tiers for the competition and all of our other programmings where we've got some really unique return on investments for our sponsorships that you can't get through anything else. So being able to get more involved, get in front of them. And one of the things that I find with students, especially going into any career, is they don't know what companies hire for those roles. Right. But by getting out there in front of them, you could be like, hey, we hire for this, 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 and this in skilled trades or relatable. Or if, for example, you started as a skilled trades person and you went into supervisor or estimator or purchaser, but you have the background, like here's other secondary roles that we have that could evolve from a skilled trades role. So getting in front of them and just letting them know, one, you exist as a company, but two, what you actually hire for, and then three, explaining what those roles are, gives you a whole new depth and level of understanding to the students. Um, you also mentioned government. A lot of people are working in silos, and that's one thing that I'm really impressed about our government um, with a lot of funding that they've put out called SDF, so Skills Development Funding. I believe we're on round three right now uh, from the government and companies, groups, organizations apply for the funding to be able to put forward skilled trades programming, which has mm -hmm. also been a huge benefactor to the uptick in apprentices as well. 
And opportunities like that are also getting companies and organizations working with government uh, to be able to work together closer within the same silos towards the same goals with the same maybe metrics to look at or attributes to be able to attain the same goal by having everybody in that same pool where normally they wouldn't. Um, another example I would give is that let's say you're a provincial organization with members or a provincial union body with your members underneath you and your chapters. Uh, one of the biggest issues is SMEs, small and medium enterprises. They don't have the labor or the time to put together a big foundational piece, let alone maybe be able to hire an apprentice based on maybe ratios. Mm -hmm. Help them out. You're the organizing provincial, I'm saying provincial state. That's okay. Body. Yep. Um, you have the resources. Put together a basis, put together a foundational piece that you could offer to those SMEs or to the smaller, maybe mom, pa shops that they can then work off of, mm -hmm. that you've already done those basics that they can just build off of and then customize within their company or organization. Because that's one of the key pieces that are missing is that it's very hard for them to be able to jump in that same boat when they don't have the staffing or the same resources as a large company. Right. So help them out and build a foundational piece. Right. No, I think that's excellent. You know, I, I've learned so much today, and I think that there's so much opportunity, not only for um, OD to help uh, sponsor skills, um, Ontario, as well as skills, you know, even worldwide. Um, and I applaud you for all the work that you've done. I applaud the people that saw something in you and uh, really helped because I can see what an impact you're making, and it's quite remarkable. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for all your insights. Yeah, I'm Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. Yeah, after listening to Jennifer today, I think I have to actually do more with my life because... Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she's like twice the person I am, for goodness It's amazing. It truly is. So thank you. Thank you. Those are very kind words. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Fix. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss our next conversation dropping every Wednesday. If you have feedback about the show or a topic you'd like to see covered, send us an email at thefix@od.com or give us a shout out on social media. We would love to connect with you. Don't forget, you can get your daily fix by visiting od.com and we'll catch you next time.